Rugby is a badass sport. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 85 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. Got a big show for everybody today, a lot of Colorado XO news to talk about, which I'm excited about. That's obviously what I know best. I'm around all the time, so I enjoy talking about all that stuff. So we'll go ahead and start the show off the same way we do every week. That's by jumping into the breakdown. It's a Colorado XO heavy breakdown this week. And the biggest news of the week is that Colorado XO prop Ma'ake Moody has signed a contract to play with the Los Angeles Giltinis. Um, the Giltinis are low on props. They're having trouble filling in their roster. they got a lot of guys hurt right now. So big opportunity for Maake. It sounds like he tried out with them last weekend, and he got you know he got the offer, and so that's awesome news for him and, and great to hear. I heard about this on Monday, so I was kind of waiting for it to drop, um, and it did on Thursday afternoon. So uh, just a little bit about Maake. He's a guy that signed with the XOs ahead of their trip to New Orleans. He was originally signed to play with the Dallas Jackals uh, for this 2021 season before Dallas decided to withdraw and push their inaugural season back to 2022. So he's kind of stuck, left without a team. And how he wound up with the XO is kind of a funny story. Uh, XO manager Peter Pask come on the show before, said he was up, up at one of the hot springs in the mountains and ran into Maake's brother, Natani, who plays for the Broncos. Um, just said, like, if you see a, a massive guy like this, you, you go talk to him. Started talking to him, said that his brother, um, you know, was going to play for the Dallas team before that all didn't work out. Um, so Peter invited him to the XOs for a workout, and they're kind of the rest is history. I know it was a kind of a quick turnaround. Like I said, he came in, I think he practiced for like a week or two and then was on the plane to New Orleans to play in that first match in February. And it obviously went very well for him since he found his way to the Giltinis. And I think this is a big move because it speaks to kind of what this like EXO program is about. And I know Maake is a little bit different because he is one of the guys that came to the team with prior rugby experience. But he is still a guy that played college football when he was in college. He was a three-sport athlete in high school. I think he did track and field. He played football. Um, you know, he's doing all these different things. So he is kind of, he does fit the mold, but he was kind of a, an outlier because he does have prior rugby experience. But this program like gave him the opportunity to play, you know, a month's worth of rugby. It gave him, got him in here. He stayed in shape. He trained for two months at altitude and it worked out for him. He's got a contract with the Giltini. So, uh, it's, like I said, speaks to kind of what the XOs are doing. I've said this when I went on the rugby rant a couple of months ago, I've said it on a few other platforms as well. Um, but I've been looking forward to to a day like this because I, I always knew that it was going to happen. And I've said it before, this team was not designed, it wasn't built to be a feeder team to MLR clubs, but just based on the natural progressions of players, like that was always going to happen. And it finally did. You know, we had Peter come on last year in September and talk about, you know, and, and Mark Bullock too, if if something was to happen and a team was to offer one of these guys, you know, what would what would happen? Would they be allowed to go? And and they said, yeah, of course. So this is, you know, proof is in the pudding here. I've seen a lot of people saying that. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of working. This is the proof is in the pudding uh, with Maake Moody signing a deal to go play at the Giltinis. And I wouldn't be surprised if more players make the jump here. Um, I don't know about this year or what, but I can tell you, you know, for a fact that there are other players on this team 
that are garnering some interest from around the MLR. Um, so we'll see what happens. So like I said, uh, I got to know Maki just a little bit. He was only around for, for a, you know, two months or so. Um, but every interaction I had with him, he's very pleasant, super nice guy. Uh, you know, I enjoyed talking to him on the few chances that I did get to chat with him. We wish him nothing but the best of luck in Los Angeles. I um, mean, he's going to a good team. He's going to a team that has, a, you know, the ability to win it all this year. So best of luck to Maake. Uh, in other Colorado XO news, the, the XOs are back in action this week after having two weeks off. They're on the road. They play against Clemson on Saturday. I think that starts at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And I have a good interview with former Eagle Clemson director of rugby, Troy Hall, later in the show. So we get into all that stuff. It's kind of cool to hear the other side of things since we have been, you know, talking to so many of the XL players. It's good to get, you know, the, the other perspective from a, a director of rugby, a coach that is preparing his team to play the XOs. So like I said, we'll jump into all that later in the show. Um, that kind of does it for, for the breakdown this week. Not a whole lot of news. Um so that we can go ahead and jump into all the rugby that you can watch this weekend. So Guinness Pro 14 is off this weekend as they prepare for the Rainbow Cup next weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that when that comes. European Champions Cup is off for a couple weeks as well. Looks like that picks up on May 1st and May 2nd for the semifinal rounds. Um, those will be on Peacock when those happen. But again, we'll talk about that when that comes around the corner. We've got Premiership Rugby in action this weekend. we got Northampton versus London Irish on Friday at 12.45 p.m. We've got Exeter versus Wasps on Saturday at 5.30 a.m. We've got Sale versus Gloucester on Saturday at 5.30 a.m. We've got Newcastle versus Bristol on Saturday at 10 a.m. We've got Harlequins versus Worcester on Saturday at 10 a.m. And then we have Bath versus Leicester on Sunday at 8 a.m. You can watch all of those matches on Peacock as well. Moving into the women's game, we've got the Lions Premier 15s back in action after a weekend off. So we've got Bristol Bears women versus DMP Durham Sharks on Saturday at 6 a.m. We've got Glaster Hartbury Women's RFC versus Wasp FC Ladies on Saturday at 6 a.m. We've got Harlequins women versus Worcester Warriors women on Saturday at 6 a.m. We've got Labro Lightning versus Saracens women on Saturday at 6 a.m. That will be the match that is live streamed this week. You can catch that on England Rugby's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And then you got Sale Sharks Women versus Exeter Chiefs Women also on Saturday at 6 a.m. So make sure you check all the Labrador Lightning and Saracens Women's match um, in those places that I told you. Moving into Super Rugby, Super Rugby Australia. We're in round nine. It's kind of crazy. We're already in round nine here. Um, but we got Forest versus Waratahs on Saturday at 3.45 a.m. And then we have the Rebels versus the Brumbies on Saturday at 10 p.m. You can catch both of those matches on that ESPN Fans YouTube page. Still working for me. Kind of got worried last week. I logged on to watch some Super Rugby out to row, which we'll talk about here in a second. It wasn't loading, or it was just a blank screen. The chat was rolling. I could hear stuff, but nothing was playing. Uh, it started a little bit late, though. It started like two or three seconds into the match. So that's still working for me. Hopefully it still works this weekend. Uh, moving into Super Rugby out to row, on Friday at 1.05 a.m. So by the time this shows out, this match will already be done. We've got Highlanders versus Blues. And then on Saturday at 1.05 a.m., we've got the Chiefs versus Crusaders, which leads into the DNVR Rugby Pick of the Week. I'll give you two again. Uh, kind of a tough week last week. We had the Crusaders win, but they didn't cover. And you know what they say, good teams win, great teams cover. So we're looking for the Crusaders to be a great team again. Uh, so the peaks, picks this week, I got Blues minus 4.5 and, and Crusaders minus 6.5. You can catch both of those matches on ESPN Fans' YouTube page again. 
Um, like I just said, started a few minutes late, but it's still working for me. And you can catch the DNVR Bet Show every weekday on DNVR's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And as always, we are gambling with DraftKings. Uh, hopefully we get back on the horse this week with the Blues and the Crusaders. I'm counting on them. Uh, I think they'll come through for us this week. Last but not least, the rugby you could watch this weekend. We've got Major League Rugby in action. We've got six matches. So start the weekend off. We've got an early one on Saturday with the Seattle Seawolves at the Toronto Arrows. That's on Saturday at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time. You can catch that on the Rugby Network. Maybe the earliest in the day an MLR match has ever started, I think. I'm not entirely sure, but I can't ever remember you know, when I worked for MLR and I was watching all the matches as they started, I never remember waking up at 8 a.m. for an 8.30 match on a Saturday. So uh, it'll be fun to watch. Nice little Saturday morning rugby. Next match of the weekend, we've got the New England Free Jacks at NOLA Gold. That's on Saturday at 2 p.m. You can catch that one on the Rugby Network. Third match, Utah Warriors at San Diego Legion. Very interested in this one. This is a you know, Legion are kind of struggling. Utah started red hot. They've kind of, they've on a little two-game skid now, so um, will be a good match. I think that's on Saturday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. You can catch that on CBS Sports Network. Los Angeles Giltinis at Houston Sabercats. Uh, you can catch that match on Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on the Rugby Network. Giltinis, obviously, the, the top of the table. Houston went two weeks without scoring, and then they won a big match last weekend. Um, I think they won 34-32. to 32. They beat the Legion. So Houston, you know, got some momentum. They're going to run into the, the freight train that is the Giltinis, and we'll see what happens with that one. Rugby ATL at Austin Gilgronis. That's on Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time as well. You can catch that one on the Rugby Network also. Uh, Austin, you know, they started on a two-game losing streak, lost two close matches. Now they've won two close matches. Um, Rugby ATL is very... Streaky, they, they think they're, you know, win-lose, win-lose, win-lose through the first four weeks. Um, so that, another one we'll keep an eye on, of course. And then the final match of the weekend, Old Glory DC at Rugby United New York. That one's on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Mountain Time. So just afternoon, eat your lunch, watch your rugby, take a nap, get ready for the week. You can catch that one on the Rugby Network as well. Uh, that does it for MLR action this week. Uh, looks like a lot of good games. I know you know we're a month into the season. This will be the fourth match a lot of teams play, uh, fourth and fifth match, I guess, that all the teams will play. So you're starting to get an idea of where people sit through the first quarter of the year. Um, moving into the halfway point, you'll really start to get a better idea. So these should be good matches. They've been good matches so far this season, and I'm looking forward to checking them out, and I hope that you are, you all are as well. Uh, so with that, we'll go and jump into the interview portion of the show. Very excited to have Troy Hall on. Troy is a former USA Eagle, current director of rugby at Clemson and member of the Clemson Rugby Foundation. Um, and, and he's going to kind of be leading the, the troops into, you know, this match against the XOs this weekend. Like I said at the top of the show, it's a good conversation. It was a good opportunity to hear the other side's perspective and just kind of hear what he's doing to get ready for this match and just kind of what he thinks of the idea as an Eagle, as a foreign player that's come over to play for the Eagles and as a director of rugby, as somebody that has their hands in a lot of grassroots initiatives. It's very interesting to hear his thoughts on, you know, this program here, taking these um, these big, you know, former college football players, former basketball players, former wrestlers. And I think Troy has a unique perspective as well, because being the director of rugby at Clemson, that is like called the college football capital. They've, you know, won national championships within the last five years. So he sees the type of athletes that come through Clemson and you, you know, it doesn't take much imagination to, to, you know, 
dream of what those guys could do playing rugby and that's the kind of what's going on here so it's cool to hear his perspective on that as well i'll stop yapping so much and we'll get to the interview uh so with that we'll go ahead and kick it to my interview with clemson director of rugby and member of the clemson rugby foundation troy hall <laughs> all right now welcome on to the show former usa eagle current director of rugby at clemson and of course of the clemson rugby foundation troy hall troy how's it going mate i'm good Good. I'm good. Thank I'm, you. So- uh, sit sit oh, on my back porch. Sit on my back porch and, and enjoying the uh, Clemson weather. That's tough to beat. That's tough to beat. <laughs> it was uh, kind of snowing here yesterday in Denver a little bit. Got out some heavy rain, so I'm jealous of you. So, uh, Tr- Troy, the first question we ask everybody that comes on the show is just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yes, mate. So I'm originally from uh, a small beach town in New Zealand, so Coromandel Peninsula. Um, sort of grew up there. Big Big family. Um, grew up playing rugby, grew up just sort of hanging out by the beach and, and doing all water sports. And, um, you know, I, I, I ended up uh, coming to the States uh, through my wife. So my wife, Sarah, um, she was uh, raised in New York. So uh, sort of cut a, cut a long story short, um, I met her in Australia. Nine months later, I was living in New York, married and then playing rugby in New York. So um, yeah, mate. It's it's. Uh, I've had I've had quite the ride, quite the journey, but I've, yeah. I've been definitely open opportunities, and and, and now I'm in, obviously in, in Clemson. So yeah. I try I try to keep that brief, but there's obviously a lot more to it. But <laughs> that's okay. But yeah. Always, yeah, we'll get into all that stuff. I'm looking forward <laughs> to jumping into all that. So I know you mentioned no, no. you you grew up playing rugby. Just kind of tell yep. us like when you got into rugby. Was it? I know a lot of the New Zealand guys I talked to have been. You know, as soon as they could walk, they had a rugby ball. Is that kind of same for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we where we lived was about um i'd say three or four hundred meters from from our local rugby club uh you go down there kind of you, you bet you, you know you play all your youth rugby in bare feet so you have no shoes no yeah. cleats something like that no <laughs> boots so you're running around there saturday mornings um you know you, you you play your match um you do your little social afterwards and then then you watch all the you kind of you go through the grades, you go through your U21s, which is kind of like collegiate level here, mm. and then you go through your more senior team. So it's it's really a full day. Um, so, yeah, I, I started playing very young rugby in the winter and then cricket in the summer and then everything else in between that. So yeah. very, tradi- very traditional upbringing in New Zealand with um, with the rugby side of things, yeah. It sounds like fun Saturdays. Sounds like how I want to spend my Saturdays. Yeah, man. It's I got two brothers. We all, we all played and... and um, it's being from a small town, it's kind of everyone knew everyone. You're all down at the rugby club. You're all kind of kicking the ball around basically for, for the seven or eight hours you're down there. So yeah. it's uh, it's very, very good memories. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I know you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but, but Troy, can you kind of take us through your playing career a little bit? I know you said, you know, you're, you met her in Australia and then you wind up in, in New York. So can you just kind of take us through, uh, you know, your, your journey from, you know, the Ripper rugby up to, you know, playing for the Eagles? Yeah, man, it was it was uh, you know going from New Zealand. I played all my age group rugby there, um, and then it's, it was funny. As soon as I, I remember looking at an ad that there were there was a team recruiting. Um, it was an ad in our local paper. It was a team recruiting for players to go to Perth in Western mm-hmm. Australia, and I always remember. And I think this is where the rugby rugby is really special. It can take you anywhere, right? And, yeah. Um, I remember. Uh, been a bit nervous about that but i jumped on that they recruited me to go to perth to play rugby and they set me up with a job they set me up with a place to live and really from that moment on i was kind of i got the travel bug 
you know, and I went from uh, Western Australia to the UK, um, played a couple of seasons up there in, in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. up there in the Le- in the Leeds area. Um, not that fond of it. I didn't like the weather, so I came back. Um, and went back to Australia, and that's where I met with Sarah, met Sarah. Um, and I was actually there. I was I sort of was, I was I was planning to be in Australia for for a good amount of time at that point because I was like I wanted to crack. Um, like the Western Force mm-hmm. um, Super Rugby team, and I know I was kind of in the, I was, I was putting myself in a good position to, to, to do well. Um, and then what do you know, right? I meet Sarah a month later, and, and, and plans changed. Yes. And uh, I uh, ended up going back to the UK just so I could be closer to New York. Um, then we decided, like, you know, bugger this, we're gonna let's 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 uh, let's get it, let's, let's do this. So we got married uh, a few months later. Ended up moving to New York until. Uh, an area just outside the city called White Plains, mm-hmm. um, and that's where my wife was going to medical school. I was I played with the local club, and I had no real aspirations to do. I mean, I was happy to play club rugby, but I had really no aspirations at that point to, to carry on. I was so involved with just just newly married and yeah. just settling settling into a new yeah, city. Yeah, that's a lot of changes. <laughs> that's a big whirlwind. I can imagine focus on rugby is kind of hard. Yeah, and and the best thing I did though was to reach out to my local club, like happens everywhere and I reached out to White Plains um, and I, I absolutely loved it and we played teams like um, we had a pretty handy team we played teams like Old Blue in New York mm-hmm. uh, Nyack um, and and as I started playing a bit more rugby you start playing these teams you play good games and then they start talking to you about oh we play in the Super League we play in like kind of the national um, national tourneys and that's when there was the Super League kind of like what the Empire right. is now but just yeah, kind of yeah. like an amateur level I've heard a lot um, about the Super League. Yeah, it was good. It was it was it was it was, it was a good. Uh, I I really liked it. Yeah. And, um, so we ended up playing at Old Blue for a bit, um, and ended up at Nyack. But sort of around that 2007 2008 time frame, they used to do a big tournament down in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the National ITTs they call it, and it was almost like, it was like a selection tournament for the Eagles basically. Um, and I remember having a very good tournament there in 2007 and, um, Al Caravelli at the time was the sevens coach. He was there, invited me to a camp and I was like, kind of like spoke to Sarah and I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this camp and Mm -hmm. see how we do. And it was in the lead up to the Wellington sevens in 08. So, um, but being, being from New Zealand, watching that tournament, um, was always amazing it was, it was at the time when wellington sevens was just absolutely on fire you know <laughs> the crowd was huge it was just a big party and really good atmosphere um, right at the peak of its kind of peak of peak time at the wellington sevens and, and i kind of went into that camp like with just kind of a no expectation kind of thing um you know there were guys at the camp uh you know you're talking sort of chris wiles todd clever taku Nguenya. yeah um like we had a we had a very good team and we all just came in. We enjoyed ourselves. I mean, we were working hard, um, and I and I had a really good camp, um, and I got selected for that Wellington team. Um, so I was on a plane to New Zealand, like calling the parents, calling the family, going, oh, I'm, I'm coming back. But I'm coming back to the Wellington Sevens, playing for the Eagles." You know, yeah. so it was one of those really. It was a really cool moment um, to be able to sort of put yourself out there for that week, and then just have a really good camp, and then all of a sudden you're on a plane to New Zealand. So. And then I found myself on the World Series circuit, and I was and I was playing and traveling, and um, and that kind of led me into into a 15s uh, look. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know I got my first cap for the USA 15 side in 2010, 
um, and I got my last cap in 2015. Uh, but there was a lot of a lot, lot of ups and downs, you know. Like it's at a time where you're you're not a full professional, but you're you're training like a you're yeah. training like a professional. You're holding down a job. You're doing you're doing what you can. Right. Um, and uh, it was it was you know. It was a blast, you know, the, the teammates I met and the, and, the, and the tours we went on to, you know, we traveled everywhere, went to South America and UK and, like I said, New Zealand, Australia. And, uh-huh. um, you know, you throw in, uh, there was a couple of, couple, of, couple of challenging moments there around World Cup times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, I was the last player basically to get cut at both World Cups in 2011 and 2015. Oh, man. So I was in the pool right through. I was playing, and then 32 man, 31 man squad gets picked, and so so basically from from World Cup to World Cup, I I was the last guy to go. But um, as as much as those were like horrific moments, yeah, um, it's taught me a lot, and it's even uh, you know, as a coach now, it's something I share with players a lot. And I'm I'm open and honest about those moments in terms of being, you know, being pretty rough, right? Um, but also teaching a lot about resilience and, and being kind of, you know, being able to, to come back from setbacks. For sure. So I've, I've kind of flipped that a little bit and as much as I would have loved to have gone to both World Cups, <laughs> it wasn't wasn't meant to be. And um, now transitioning into a coaching career, it's, uh, I'm sort of right where I want to be now to, to, to share those those experiences and help players through now, yeah. whether it's through Clemson, whether it's through the athlete collective, whatever it is. Yeah. So it's, um, it's all good. I think that's, you know, the best way to handle it. And I guess before we kind of get into your, your coaching career and some of the stuff that you are doing with the athlete collective, um, the question I like to ask rugby people, and I guess I really haven't had the chance to, because I've been interviewing so many people that are literally just learning how to play rugby, you know, I've played rugby for a month now. Is <laughs> Troy, do you have like a favorite rugby memory that kind of comes to your mind? And maybe we are jumping the gun a little bit because it might be in, in a coaching role, but I guess even from your playing career, like, is there one or two memories that just kind of, you know, stick out of the top of your head? Yeah, there is. Uh, as much, yeah, the, the, I think of, you know, before I get to that top moment, like, yeah, absolutely love my, my, you know, getting the cap for the USA Eagles, getting awarded it, and you know, all that, all that work you put yeah, in yeah. to get there. Um, but I think of a season. I think of a, a, a twenty ten. I think of twenty ten, and that was when I played for New York Athletic Club. Um, and this is in the Super League, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we we found our way. We had a good, a, a really good season. We we ended up playing in the final um, at Golden Gate out there in San Francisco. Yeah. And at, at Treasure Island there on the on their field, and it was one of those years because when when you're playing in New York, you, you you have these challenges of like just to get to training, you got to catch a bus and a train and another bus, yes. and you train on these you train on the artificial fields. Um, I forgot what bridge we're under, but it's 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 at Randall's Island, right outside the city, or right in the city, I'll say. And it was one of those seasons where it, everything just clicked, you know. It was one of those because we we had such a good we had such a great group of guys. We were complete underdogs going into the final because San Francisco was studded. I mean, they were a studded oh, yeah. team. They had um, guys like Samu Manoa playing, and you know they were just right. they were just monsters. They were they were hands down favourites, right? So we flew out there on the Friday, and we we arrived Friday like Friday afternoon. We we sort of we play the next day, and then you know the the boys flew back on the Saturday night, and and on that Sunday I actually went into a USA camp, but yeah, that game we were down by um, uh, what was it? 
nine. We were down by nine with about nine minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we had, we were at our own end. We had nothing. We had like we had uh, <laughs> we were at the wrong end of the field. It wasn't um, looking got, good. It wasn't looking good. And we had a scrum center of the field. And my mate, one of my best friends, Mike Petrie, who's a who's a great eagle, right? Great mm-hmm. all-time USA eagle. Um, I called. I was sitting on the right-hand side. Mike drifted across. He switched with me. Mm-hmm. And I still remember Samu running across and like this. I I was, I was lucky. I was fast enough. <laughs> yeah. He would have absolutely smoked me. Right? But I, I ran not, a, a good. <laughs> that's not a guy you want to get hit by, right? No, no. I think it's part of the reason why I ran so fast. I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to get nailed by him. And I took it 75 meters and I scored, right? Yeah. And and that and we that was a converted try. So now we're down by two. Um, and then uh, they kick off. We get the ball back. We somehow got it back to halfway, and we got a penalty. Um, and our, our Irishman that we had for a year, Pete O'Brien, um, nailed the nailed the penalty from like 50 meters on the side. Um, and I'll exaggerate it just for him if he listens to this. <laughs> and and we had the wind, right? It's always windy. It seemed to always always windy trigger on, and and they, he nailed the conversion up by one. Um, and about 30 seconds left, there was a kickoff remaining. We ended up catching it, clearing it, and the game was over. And that was one of the most – it still gives me goosebumps, mate. It's yeah. one of the, my, uh, my favorite, you know, if not the favorite rugby moment I've, I've had. And I think it was more the, the group of guys we had. There's a great photo at the end of that, end of the game, where the boys are just all on top of each other and our coaches, yeah. Mike Tolkien, uh, Eagle coach, and then uh, Bruce McLean. Uh, runs in and they're all it's just it's captured the moment whoever I don't know who took the photo but it captured the moment really good and I remember sitting there having a beer after the game just going wow that was uh, that was a that was a game that's and it's awesome something that, that, something that we still talk about as a group yeah um, we still we had a zoom call uh, a few months back as the it was in 2020 it was the 10th anniversary of our win yeah and uh, we're still very connected we still talk a lot when we can and it's something that we will share for a long time. So. That's awesome. So, you know, it that's was what, a good moment, mate. That's why I like asking those questions. They're always so different. Like if, you know, I had Luke White last year. I remember he, one of his favorite memories was, you know, playing high school rugby in Australia. And it's always so yeah. different. And, and, you know, like you said, you just, you didn't even have to think about it. That's the run that comes right to the top of your head. And uh, you're still getting yeah. goosebumps talking about it. I love that question. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that with us. No, pleasure. Uh, so yeah, Troy. Um, yeah, I guess now we can kind of jump into your, your coaching career. Like, when did you decide coaching was something you wanted to do? And I guess how did you get into it? Maybe, maybe it wasn't something you decided. It just kind of found you. It did. I mean, it was. So if I think back to when I was in New York City, like I was involved with um, Play Rugby USA, which is a um, uh, they do a lot of youth programming and and sort of. Um, whether it's in, in league, flag rugby, all yeah. in the city, in, in New York. And, and I got involved in there a little bit. Just kind of like I uh, I dabbled a bit there, right? I was still playing, obviously, but I dabbled a little bit. Um, when my wife and I moved to Oregon, so we moved to Oregon in 2011, um, Mark Griffin, who's a, who was the founder of Play Rugby USA, he connected me with Jen Heinrich, who is now in charge of Girls Rugby Inc., mm. um, and she's doing a lot of good work in, in the girls' rugby world. In the girls' rugby world, and um, she was she was uh, the CEO of Rugby Oregon. So we basically looked after all of the youth and high school rugby in the state of Oregon. 
Mm-hmm. And the timing was, again, the timing was great because she was looking for someone to kind of lead the charge in terms of youth development. And this is something I was sort of looking at a little bit. I, I loved working with kids. I still do. Um, I think grassroots rugby is kind of where a lot of focus should be put. Right. Um, and we had a great conversation. Uh, I ended up getting hired full time by Rugby Oregon. And this was in a balance while I was still playing too. So it, was, it worked for me because it was... Yeah. It would work for the both of us because I could, I could still travel and play, but I, I would still be able to sort of um, do my role with, with Rugby Oregon. And so I really started at the grassroots. My whole, my whole focus was visiting schools, you know, right. sharing and normalizing the game of rugby inside communities, and then uh, starting teams, educating coaches, um, you know, running camps, running clinics, and it was kind of very an entrepreneurial role, right? And it's kind of like where I've kind of it's kind of where I've gone anyway. It's in, the, in that sort of starting my own business, and it was a lot of that came from that that okay, Troy, go grow the game of rugby any way you want, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was like, go do it. Yeah, and and we we saw some really good good success at the youth level out there because they already had a very strong high school competition, mm-hmm. but they didn't have much under high school, and and you know, fast forward eighteen months, two years. We had something like 30 plus youth teams. We were running like full capacity camps, full capacity clinics. And a lot of that was done through a lot of the work and exposure we did in the schools. Right. Um, and, you know, natural progression from there. I was doing a lot of youth and elementary work and, and middle school. I started offering sort of uh, camp settings for our high school players out there. And then I started asking the question around, okay, where are you guys going beyond high school to play rugby? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them go to University of Oregon. A lot of them go to Oregon State University. Um, some go elsewhere. A lot of players go to those universities, like yeah. in-state. And I started hearing a few things around, uh, players not continuing to play. Um, you know, I had more fun at high school playing rugby versus college. You know, and, and, and as, a, as a, a rugby enthusiast, right, it's, I, hate, I hated hearing that. Right. I hated. I didn't like someone going from our programs at Rugby Oregon, then going to Oregon State and kind of like losing motivation. Mm-hmm. And again, it's and I feel very much the same way here at Clemson. and I want to make sure that players that come in are having a good experience and, and, and hanging around. Right. So. Right. And that's kind of where my coaching started kicking into another gear. I was like, okay, I wanted to get more into because I was always doing this sort of camps, clinics, that type of thing. I wasn't really running any teams. Mm-hmm. And. So a role came up at Oregon State. Um, I it, w- it was a, a flexible role where we were about to move to Charleston. Yeah. And so I, I was working out like a an agreement where I you know I, I ended up commuting from Charleston to Oregon State to coach, which wow. sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds crazy, right? Yeah. But it, but it, funny enough, it worked really well because at the time my wife and I were starting our own business, and then. Um, there was some flexibility there and you know it was just too good of an opportunity to, to say no to yeah and sarah and my, my you know the family were good with it so i was commuting back and forth we again it was kind of like a program that had to be reset from start mm-hmm. um like sort of new standards this new this, everything was was new about what we did and i was lucky to have a great group of uh that were juniors at the time there's about seven to eight juniors that were just fully committed and um, they they had as much of an impact on the team as I did when I was there, and um, it kind of I learned a lot, you know. Like yeah. I, I learned a lot about college rugby, college life, 
like the challenges they face as a club team, very similar to what we face at Clemson. I just, I'm just, well, I'm much more aware of it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've used all those learnings now and, and putting them into Clemson and, and adapting it to what we do here. So it's, uh, you know, I enjoy, I really enjoy coaching. It's, I probably enjoy the off the field piece more as much as the on the field piece. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, I love getting to know the guys. I love hearing about what they do outside of rugby because it's, it's, uh, I'm a big believer in what you do outside of rugby can can help you become a, you know, an on-field performer. You know, for and, sure. Um, got to have fun. Got to got to have a good time when you're out there and learning and getting challenged. And um, you know, these these are college guys. These are they're 18 through 23. I think they've, they've got such a a long career in front of them if they want to if they want to want to do it. You know, so but, yeah. If it, if I can help them, um, you know, enjoy their rugby and and they and they they can. Re- they they remember and they 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 feel good at the field. They feel a they feel a part of something bigger. Yeah. Um. And that, that's what I want because there's like I say there's you got to have that balance at this level. I feel like you do anyway. For sure. As a club team. So it's uh yeah mate. It's a, we'll see what see what see what happens moving forward. But I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying being where I'm, being where I'm at and and having the uh the opportunity to to share my experiences and uh, knowledge and, and have a good time along the way. For sure. So I know you're saying you, you're at Oregon State still. Well, kind of. You're out there, you know, you're commuting to Oregon State from, from Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> so um, when do, you know, how do you wind up at Clemson? When does that opportunity, like, present itself, and how did that happen? So I got an email from, um, so there's a Kiwi fella, Simon, Simon Reed, who, who runs the Wando High School program in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And I remember him. This is this would have been November of 2019, right? And uh, he tick, he sends me an email saying, uh, Jim Gain, who's the he's basically the the he runs the Clemson Rugby Foundation. Yeah. Um, he's starting a high school team on James Island, which is in Charleston, like beautiful spot. He goes, he needs someone just to come and help. And at the time, I had no idea who he was, like. Claims and rugby. I didn't even didn't even think I didn't even know what claims and was. So yeah. to be honest, and um, so I ended up meeting him for coffee. And then he shares with me a little bit about yeah, I'm actually I coached at Clemson a while back. I was a, I'm a Clemson alum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run the Clemson Rugby Foundation, and you know I did a little bit of research as you do. You do a little <laughs> bit of a background, like okay, here he is, and I end up going and helping him uh, coach. A small group of high school kids. Uh, I think it was three or four, three sessions maybe. Um, and again, he was trying to start a team. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of kids down there, but we right. had a good time. We had, we sort of it was more like a small group session. And he started sort of dangling the carrot a little bit, talking about Clemson rugby, how they've got no coach right now. Um, we're looking to hire someone. And at that point, I still was like, I wasn't really looking, you know. Right. I was just asking questions about it. I was like, "What is like? What, what are you trying to do? What is, what is your plans here? Like how? Like, you know, what does that even yeah. look like?" Genuinely uh, interested in what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, and and then he started talking a little bit about the Clemson Rugby Foundation and, and their mission to kind of, again, their missions to to normalize our game, to to sort of create more experiences for for youth players, and um, as well as support, obviously, the Clemson team itself. Um, you know, and support, like, obviously providing coaches, providing leadership, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing that intrigued me about it was is with the youth side of it, because obviously with my Rugby Oregon experience and then my coaching experience, it was kind of like a mesh between the both. Yeah. 
and um, and, and, and like I'm very I'm very genuine when I talk about grassroots rugby, and, and it's something that I, I love to do, you know. And, and yeah. when he talked about as part of the role, like you, there's it's kind of like a split role there, and, and you manage it how you want to manage it, and that's what intrigued me. It was like the, the uniqueness of it, you know. Um, and you know, fast forward it would have been April 2020. Bang! Like we're obviously in a situation where we are like with, with COVID and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up I ended up going. I was hired. I went up for two sessions and then bang, we were told we couldn't couldn't train anymore. Yeah. Um, so we had to get very you know creative around <laughs> virtual and virtual meetings and all that stuff. And um, again, it was a similar program to Oregon State. It was very very club like, um, very um, you know it wasn't a huge roster. But again, there there was this core group of guys that really wanted to see it change, yeah, and get better and get better and and start um, moving in another direction. So again, that similar again, it's funny how similar those two roles between Oregon State and Clemson are. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, you got to come in and, and create sort of you know obviously lead by example as a coach and and um, you know create an environment where players are learning and having a good time and you're retaining the players and. Um, you know, we got a we got a about a forty five man squad now, pretty wow. very very engaged, very engaged, and um, you know we've got a long way to go, of course. We've got a lot of new players still, but it's uh, you know we're, we're at a point now where it's like, okay, what can we do with it? Sort of in the, yeah. in the next in the next six twelve months, you know? So yeah, that's been, awesome to fun. hear. Yeah, uh, and I guess we can talk about. I mean, we obviously have you on. We're going to talk about the the XO's upcoming match against your boys down at Clemson here next weekend. Um, but I wanted to ask you too, while I had you on, is just can you tell us a little bit about the Athlete Collective? So I've had Dan Power on. I've had Sam Windsor on. I know they're both um, involved in the Athlete Collective. But I was just wondering, you know, if you could kind of talk about it. Yeah, mate. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of a because my wife and I have our we have our own consulting company, Hall Wellness and Sports, and. It was, it's kind of a, again, it's a bit of a merge between both, right? Yeah. And the whole reason we started our company was to provide players with high-performance resources outside mm-hmm. of rugby um, and, and do it in a way where it's kind of like you can do it from anywhere, right? Right. Because as a player, I mean, as an eagle, was, I think I always felt like it was something that was missing. Um, when, when you talk about like mental performance, talk about nutrition skills, you talk about sort of physical well-being, yeah. mental well-being, all that stuff, right? And that's... That's we wanted. Our whole mission was to provide players with that who are looking for that to help them sort of get their head in a better place and prepare better for rugby. And the athlete collective is 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 not that indifferent to that. Um, you know, we provide high performance resources for players that are that are you know, looking to maximise their preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we also we also um, we're, we're in the areas of, of post rugby too. So. You know, you, you envision a player who's, who's one or two years from retiring from rugby. Um, you know, not 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 everyone has that transition. You know, it's, it's never 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 great. Right. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be horrible either. You know, so it's one of those areas that we we help players navigate and guide through, whether it be from a health and wellness standpoint, whether it be from um, I want to start a business. Mm-hmm. How can you help us start a business so we can help MLR players and start kind of building a program or building their own business. Right. Um, we help from that. Everything through the transition, right? So you have your performance side, which is the high performance offerings and that sort of service. But then you take it through, um, you know, let's say you've got an MLR player that's absolute peak of their game right now. So how can they maximize their brand? 
Yeah. Um, so we have people involved that can help players maximize their brand. And then through to post rugby where we can help players slot them into a network, help them get jobs, or at least put together a resume that's going to be attractive. Um, you know, financial wellness. So everything from, you know, budgeting and taxes, all that stuff. Right. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's an all encompassing area, all encompassing sort of, um, company. Yeah. Um, I'm very much involved in the HP side of things. Uh, so my wife is a doctor of physical therapy and nutritionist. So we, we do a lot of the, we do a lot of the HP offerings. So we create a lot of the programs and, you know, develop products and, um, you know, everything's, everything's accessible. Everything's, you know, we've people involved all over the world. So right. it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how everything's gone to zoom, you know, like right. a year ago, everything was like zoom and it's funny, Sarah and I were already doing sort of a lot of consulting on zoom before, yeah. <laughs> before everyone went to zoom, you know? So For it's, sure. uh, yeah, but I think we're filling a space and just, you know, providing that, that, that type of, uh, upskilling and and knowledge for uh for those players that are really looking to get after it yeah you know really like committed really want to get after it really want to learn more about it and um not not leave anything on the table as they say right you know so yeah and i think all that uh, stuff's super important i know i've seen it bubbling up over the last year since it really kind of you know got moving last summer i uh, yeah. always wanted to make sure I, I get the chance to ask the people involved in it about it yeah, when they man. come on so thank you for uh, letting us know about all that stuff so we'll transition back into clemson a little bit so like i said xos are heading out to clemson to play uh clemson next weekend um so just, Troy, are you kind of, you know, what's your overall impression of this XO program? Are you a fan of the idea? I just kind of want to know what your general thoughts on this whole uh, project. I think it's a great idea, straight off, straight off the bat, man. I think it's it's creative. It's thinking outside the box. Um, I think just being involved at Clemson and then previously Oregon State, uh, I'm always looking for creative ways to, to get players out. Um, but I have, you know, I, I'm – Hands down, like I think they've done a great job with, with setting it up and getting the buy-in from people and, and having it be a professional environment. I think a lot of times you can get players out right. who, are, who are brand new to the game, but they get put into a, a club or a, you know, this could be at any level, right? But they, right. they get to train like twice a week and then play on Saturday, right? Like yeah. I think you guys are creating an environment where the players – uh, are fully in, fully engaged, fully involved, and they get to they get to be out there like multiple times per week and getting good coaching, um, you know, for sure, creating good cohesion and all that stuff. And I think it's yeah, I think it's. I told Mark Bullock when I spoke to him a few weeks ago when we we're sorting out this game. I think it's, I think it's a great idea to to increase the speed of of their of their IQ and increase the development of their skills in a shorter time. Right. I think like having worked at you know Oregon State and then now at Clemson like college football powerhouse like you you know you see firsthand the type of you know facilities that it's a it's a professional program in a you know amateur quote air quote environment you know so um i think like you said this this transition that these guys have have shown and even you know i've just been you know walk, walk down to practice or you know pop my head into to the weight room and like seeing how they work is they work like pro athletes they work like this is very literally their job um yeah. and it's you know, the from November to now, even in April, it's the the progress has been unbelievable in my in my uneducated opinion. Uh, just you know, from what I've seen, so uh, you you kind of touched on it there. Like being in a full time training environment is the you know it's been the difference I think so far. 
I think, yeah, I, I think it's, you're, you're right on there. I think environment is everything, whether it's right, wherever you are. I think mm-hmm. if you can create an environment where players can, can flourish and, and give them the opportunity to do so is it, massive, you know. Yeah. Part, and part of, like, not to go back to the athlete collection. No, you're good. It's, it's, the, it's the same thing, you know. It's like we want to create an environment for players that come in to be able to flourish. Right. And that's, that's what you're doing for the XOs. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sort of, meeting some of the players and, and catching up with the coaches and just, just having a good chat when they come out and just yeah. seeing, it up, seeing it up close, you know. So yeah. I know so we, I were, we were talking off air a little bit. You said that haven't been able to, to play many matches this spring. So how do you prepare your team to compete against, like, such a unique team like the XOs? Do you do anything different? Is it just kind of business as usual? Or, or is there, like, any different approach at all to this match? I think it's a bit of a split approach for us, I think. It, with the the lack of game time, um, it's firstly we try and as much as possible try and like simulate game environments at training. Yeah. Um, and again, I tell the boys, it's like it's how you approach this. Like we can go into this game and think, oh, we've played no games. Like as soon as you start thinking like that, then yeah. you're just going to get you're not you, you got no chance, you know. So a, a lot of this approach to this game is very much in our head. You know, so we we putting it we're putting in a lot of work at training. Um, the boys are following the Instagram side of, of the rugby factory or and yeah. the and the the XO XO social media pages and they're enjoying watching that and you know, I'm sort of they're coming to training with different ideas, like they're watching it and kind of like, Okay, how can we combat this, you know? Because we yeah. know physically that you guys they're big boys, you know. So <laughs> we have to we have to create a game plan that's okay what's going to help us like what's going to be tap into our strengths but also make life difficult for you guys as well you know so right but again it's like you can plan all you want but at the end of the day you got to go out there and, yeah. and 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 do it and, and approach it in a certain way where you're just going after it and, and the boys are building that that confidence and belief in themselves and it's gonna be tough it's gonna be hard but it's 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 i, I told them the other day like when we used to play teams like samoa and tonga and like it was always a different type of game, you know. It was right. always like, okay, physically they're going to be they they're going to be at it, and it's uh, it's that's why they call it a test match. It's because it's <laughs> it's a mental and physical test, you know. So um, now the boys the boys are up for it. It's going to be uh, definitely a uh, a test of their resilience. Um, but hopefully it's a, it's a good competition and it's a good game. Yeah. End of the day. I agree. I know. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what comes out of it. Um, and I know you just mentioned like the, the rugby factory's done a good job of putting out all these short clips. So ha- has there been anybody on the XOs, like any players in particular that have, you know, caught your eye that could potentially give you guys a headache? And then I guess to follow up with that, if you wanted to, you know, talk about a couple of the guys on your team that uh, you may want to highlight. So in terms of names, I'll be honest with you, I've been I've been watching it, but I haven't been paying attention to the names. Right. Um, I've been looking at like what players are doing, um, like you know players that are kind of running good lines or making a good play. And I think that again, like whoever's leading the rugby factory Instagram sites, doing a good job. So um, no, I just enjoy sort of watching them progress and and just sort of having a look at just some certain things they're doing and. But in terms of names, that I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. No, I, I think that's totally fine because there's no, <laughs> there's no commentary over it, so I don't yeah, expect yeah. you to. to I know, know some of the boys. I know some of the boys have been looking at some of the names on yeah. the, wherever their profiles are. Um, but it's. Uh, I've been just doing my kind of general overview of the, of the social media pages. <laughs> um, 
in terms of our guys, so we've got a, I mean, we've got a, uh, we've got a couple of couple of players that are that are coming through that that are pretty young still. Our open side Baylor, Baylor Williams, mm-hmm. um, he's he transferred from Arkansas State last year, wanting to like looking for a new experience. Um, you know, he's from Charleston, so he's a bit closer to home now. Um, he's enjoying it. It's it's I think he's someone that's. Uh, he's only a sophomore, but he's someone that's very uh, capable. Yeah. Um, and we've got a good junior group of uh, our, our fly half, Tom Goodall. Um, he's been around for a while. So he's a junior. He's, he's a pretty handy fly half. Uh, our fullback, Chris Orich. Um, I actually did a one-on-one session with him this morning. Yeah. Um, very handy player. Um, we've got some good boys up front too. We've got a... We've got some good size up front. Um, Harry Robinson at lock. We've got Reed Brandt at number eight. Um, so there's some players out there that are, that are very capable of, uh, of um, you know, putting in some good plays yeah. uh, on this on the 17th. And, and it's something I'm, I'm trying to develop more well-rounded athletes here too. It's mm-hmm. very much um, our forwards need to be able to catch and pass. You know, very multi-skilled, multifaceted player uh, players. So yeah, mate, it should be. Should be some. Uh, we've got a good core group of guys there in key positions, and uh, we're also going to have some new players in the mix too. So who are going to be like, "Well, this is my first game of rugby." <laughs> so it's uh, not indifferent to some of you yeah, guys. Yes, for a few sure. That, ago. I, that's what you I was know. say. There's probably a few XOs that might yeah. be playing their first game of rugby as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, like I said, I'm excited about it, Troy. So I just uh, wanted to give you a chance to, you know, uh, if you could let us know when, where the match will be played, you know, time, location, and. Um, I know a lot of people are curious if it'll be streamed. So if you have any insi- uh, insight on that, it'd be awesome to, to let us know about too. Yeah, so the game will be played. It's actually going to be a big day. So um, it's going to be a full day of rugby. Uh, there's going to be a curtain raiser. Our, our development side, I don't think our B side will be playing a, a tentative match versus UGA mm-hmm. um, before the XOs and claims and kickoff at 11 a.m. Um, it'll be it'll be played at our home field, which is. Um, at a beautiful grass field, kind of just five, six minutes off campus. Yeah. Um, it's, it's called the, the Pier, P-I-E-R. Um, so it'll be 11 a.m. kickoff there um, and followed by a couple of high school games as well. So it's going to be a full day of rugby yeah. um, at the at our home field. And in terms of streaming, it's something that we, we, we haven't done a great job in the past. Um, we streamed one of our Interscope matches recently, and that was – basically done um, via a guy's phone on the yeah. side. Um, so we, we don't know what that looks like yet. I'm, I'm hoping we can get something. Even if it's just that, we'll probably have something um, at least watchable yeah. uh, from the side. But it's something that we need to do better. But we're, we're still looking for a, a good way to do it and someone in, who can do it who's, who's, uh, right. wants, to put it, wants to put out like a, a proper experience you know yeah and i think that's okay i don't think people realize how hard it is to stream stuff i know i know right i know <laughs> yeah I know. it's tough man it's not it's not just yeah. as simple as you know trotting out a phone and you gotta make sure it looks good and all that stuff so yeah and i've seen yeah. i've seen the the grounds on your instagram troy it looks beautiful i'm jealous i can't make the trip down there to come watch it but uh like i said looking forward to to seeing what happens and seeing the clips of course that rugby factory puts out um, so Troy, that's all the questions I had for you, man. I usually leave this this last part open. If you want to, you know, shout out anything else or, or anything you you want to promote, go for it. No, I, I appreciate your time. I, I I'm uh, 
a few a few months or it would have been a couple months ago when I spoke with Mark about this match. And it's nice to see all this come together. And yeah, um, we're going to put on uh, you know a really good event. We want this event here to be something that the EXOs like really remember. You know, mm-hmm. just not just on the field, but also the environment we create um, is a bit of a theme for the day. Is like be a be a great rugby ambassador. Yeah. Um, so we've got buying from the team, the community, and we're going to have kids out there. We've got to obviously have the high school teams. Um, just make it a really good day and, and something that you guys will sort of, you know, as you walk on that, as you get on the plane on the way home, you're like, that was, that was, that was fun. Yeah. And I want to go, I want to go back. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to hosting you guys. And, um, we, we've got a Friday night kind of meet and greet, uh, for the players all to get together have some light snacks and just kind of, um, catch up and talk rugby and share experiences and we didn't want to miss that piece because I know the XOs are actually flying out pretty quickly after the game Yeah. so we've added that on the Friday um, we're all excited to just get together and um, enjoy some good competition and, and most of all just like meet some new people mate For and, sure. and, hear, and hear different stories and different experiences because I think it's too good of an opportunity to do that yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. You nailed it, Troy. Uh, but that's, like I said, that's all the question I have for you, Troy. Thank you so much for your time, man. Really enjoyed it. Sweet, mate. That sounds good. <laughs> all right, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Clemson Director of Rugby and former USA Eagle Troy Hall. You know, I certainly did. And again, I say it every week, but the guests make the show. Big thank you to Troy for coming to chat with me. Um, it was a it was a rough interview to be completely honest. My computer was crashing, I was having a bad day, but Troy was a good sport, very patient, let me work all that stuff out, and we got the interview done. So big thank you to Troy. I really appreciate it. As always, I appreciate every guest that comes on. Um, so yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation. With that, we'll go ahead and jump into the required reading portion of the show. Required reading this week is actually required listening. Um, you have to go listen to the Rugby Pick'em, that friend of the program, Brendan, put out this week. Brendan was on the show a couple weeks ago. But he traveled up to Massachusetts to attend the first ever New England Free Jacks match, documented it all on a recorder, interviewed a bunch of people in the stands. Um, awesome, awesome listen. Uh, very funny. It was just a nice it was a nice listen. Uh, I'm encouraging everyone to go check it out. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I am certain everybody else will too. So make sure you go check that out. As always, I will link that into the article that houses this podcast. That does it for required listening. Nice and easy 20-minute listen, so make sure you go and check that out. We'll go ahead and close the show with The Loop. I uh, don't have a whole lot to say in The Loop here. Follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. Um, I'll be out of town this weekend, so I'm not going to be as on my phone and as on Twitter, keeping up with the XO stuff as I usually am. Uh, like I said, I asked Troy, I've been trying to communicate with people just to kind of learn, you know, what's going on, if there's going to be a stream. Um, and it sounds like there might be, if there is, of course, I will push you in the direction of the stream because I will want to watch it as much as I can as well. Uh, keep up with all the stuff that we're doing on ddnvr.com. I've really been trying to put out a lot more written pieces in the last couple of weeks. I'm doing a, a you know MLR recap every Monday. Been trying to write some more stuff about the EXOs, um, especially EXOs have a big you know stretch coming up in these next few weeks. I think they have a match like every weekend until the middle of May. So it'll be a, a big few weeks for matches. A lot of good stuff. A lot of interesting things to talk about, and I'm going to do my best to document that all for you. Um, and you can find all that at the dnvr.com. Like I just said, make sure you check out all the good work that's on there. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, um, you know, anything Rams, Buffs, anything golf, you can find it on there. Um, all good stuff. 
Uh, and that's all I got for everybody this week. I hope you enjoyed the matches this weekend. I hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. And I'll catch you all back here next week. Yeah.